Dave, I would say it's fantastic to see you, but I've seen you the entire time through this thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I can't pull a hell and be like, oh, so good to see you here. Yeah. Uh, why don't you kick us off uh, with a bit about yourself and then we'll go into the questions we've been looking at. It's been massively mediocre to get to see you today <laughs> as well, Jimmy. Um, we've obviously been here in the office lots uh, yeah. throughout all of lockdown. Um, yeah, I'm obviously, as you know, I lead the church here at Central, lead the team. Uh, I'm married to Joy, I'm dad to Elle, and now to my son, Levi. I actually had this plan where I sort of thought I would bring him today and just sort of like bring him into shot, something like that, but decided against it because I thought the interview would go badly with him getting on in the background. So he is about 10 days old or so now. So if I am like a shade of gray, uh, which I am. You're actually, you're less than I thought you would be. Mate, not even Photoshop can fix the shade <laughs> of grey that I feel inside at this moment of time. Uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of where I'm at at the minute. Jamie, what about you? Tell us a bit about you. Uh, so yeah, Jamie, um, um and I work between Carmona Church and here, and um, was part of the team at the plant here. Uh, played music for the last 15 or so years. Mm. And around Belfast a lot, uh, make videos, make these videos, uh, and we just moved to East Belfast when this whole thing kind of started. So, so why don't you tell me about that? I mean, I know as a, I've always known you as a musician. That's where I first met you in the world of music, and I know that that has not been the easiest world to have been employed in after COVID. Why don't you tell me a bit about how you find the last three months or so yeah. of your life? Well, that, that that whole series of work, it was. People were still out of bars, and then there was, uh, you know, the call to kind of maybe go, if, don't go if you didn't need to, which is a ridiculous idea with a bar because you never need to go. Yeah. Uh, and then within that shift to the week of locking it down, basically there's a whole field of people whose work was just gone in one night. So I'm part of this um, Facebook group of uh, it's like thirty or forty of us that all kind of share gigs. If you know I can't do this, you can. And for the most of those those guys, their work was gone overnight, um, and that part of the city has kind of been gone until now and actually the jobs that are there are much less than were uh, so for me it wasn't as, as hard, hard a push because that's one thing out of lots that I did um, but for some people that was their entire ability to make money just gone in one night so uh, there's been lots of people signing up for other jobs like deliveries and Tesco and all kinds of things you know okay and I know that in the middle of this uh, you moved house, as you said, across Joyce. the Belfast, and um, I know that that's actually been a much more difficult thing than maybe you guys thought it was going to be. I know, you know, for you especially, Jamie. Like I think, you know, all of us know you as Jamie Nish, who knows everyone, and everyone knows you outgoing, you know, extroverted, all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And yet, in the middle of this, I know that mental health has been a real area of, mm. of kind of contest for you in your life. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that? I probably guess context is good for that. So we moved, me and Lydia bought a house and moved basically within that first week of lockdown. And we actually both had a cough. So we, a week earlier, we stopped seeing people out of that initial fear because, you know, a cough could have been anything, but it could have been that. Um, and then, so we moved into a house. We moved from the house that we'd known for the first two years of being married. We moved to a place we didn't know as well. We moved in to discover that rats had gotten in while the house was vacant. Uh, what you've been dealing with on and off since then. Uh, moved in to discover that the neighbours was a big family and there's a lot of things come with that. Uh, I'm just trying to get to know people. And that on its own probably would have been manageable in small parts, but it was that mixed with the fact that we we moved with an idea in mind. So we moved with, you know, the idea of Belfast was so accessible to where that house is. 
um, our friends around the corner, the places we socialise, the gigs we go to, churches, you know, 10 minute walk away, and all that stuff was gone. So that became, rather than just being, you know, a few little problems, they added up to become quite a foundational issue for us that most of the stuff we did was gone. We're very social people, that was gone. Um, we were now just stuck in this house that we didn't really know. It was half furnished and half not. And um, I think probably the bigger thing for me, I think all the things I could have tried to handle, but the bigger thing was that 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 social element was taken away. And I was like, I don't really know why I'm here in this part of Belfast anymore. Mm. Um, see, I've, I mean, I've struggled with mental health things before in smaller pockets. And I think I just felt overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. And I also felt that we'd spent so much time praying about this and felt called to it. Um, and that it was, you know, with this in mind, church content and all that kind of stuff, and all felt stripped away. Mm -hmm. So I probably had a point, we were in there a while and I wasn't sleeping well, I had a point, actually called out Ross Martin to talk to Ross, just, just to calm your nerves most of the time. <laughs> and we had a chat three and eventually decided it was best to leave there for a while and try and deal with the rodent thing. Uh, and we moved into Lydia's dad's um, for, I guess, a month or two months of that, to try and settle. Um, and I think a big thing we've noticed from that is we probably had a high expectation of what we built up in our head, which I think you do and you probably should for things like a, like a move or whatever. And because of what had happened, there was no ability for any of that to maintain. Mm. So none of it was met. Mm. And part of that was probably a problem in us as to what we expected. And part of it was just disappointment. And I think early on during this, we, we were in the office talking and I was like, Dave, I think it's just like grief. Mm -hmm. Like it's, it's a form of losing something you didn't expect to lose. Mm -hmm. But even though it's not a person, it's something, and it's not fully tangible. Mm -hmm. But uh, I feel like we um, we lost something in that, and we had to lower our expectation, reset our values, and kind of start again. So, uh, in lots of ways, actually, I've been through things that were more difficult. But this is probably the hardest three or four months I've probably ever um, lived through, uh, just in terms of my what was going on internally. And thankfully, learned from times before that it was really important to share those things. So I just told people as and when had friends praying for it, talked to a lot of people about it and never had that place where I felt alone. Like even, God, that I was with Lydia and I just told her from day one, mm -hmm. this is what's going on. So um, that was the, the core part of it. And since then actually, Belfast has opened up a little bit and we've got to know our neighbours, not more people in the street, our friends live, you know, we've got a bunch of friends and family live a walk away and things have started to feel like they've been redeemed a little bit. Yeah. Not that that will always be the case. There could be other lockdowns, there could be other things, but uh, to know that can happen is important. So initially, very terrible, <laughs> uh, but all in all, not, not um, as bad as it was. Uh, and we're just trying to see where the good parts of it have been mm. and what we've learned from it. So I think slow process, that the more time goes on, the more you can appreciate. Um, so interesting. Mm -hmm. So same question for you. You've had, from even the list of things that you've talked about, we've got this and this and this. I was like, that's, that's too much fun. Mm too emotionally bare. So why don't you tell us a bit about what your last like three to four months has been like? Yeah, I mean, I probably have to say, I don't even need to really feel like I'm on reflection. I feel like as I still presently feel and uh, as I felt really acutely through that time, that it's probably been the hardest period uh, of my life um, for all sorts of reasons. You know, church kind of coronavirus hits, lockdown happens. And uh, I, I have to say those first two weeks, probably after lockdown, were probably the most exhausting two weeks I've ever had in ministry as like 
trying to recalibrate. You know, we're a church who talk all the time about being present in people's lives, showing up, you know, sharing coffee, conversation, praying for one another, you know, all the things. You're like, we're trying to build a community here. And our understanding of community up till now was like, that doesn't happen digitally. That happens like real time in the real world. And all of a sudden you're like, well, we can't do that anymore. And what are the expectations? And what video platform are we going to use? Are we going to live stream? How do we make sure it's still community? Are people going to show up? You know, and obviously people that have planted a church in the last like couple of years, the last thing anybody wants when you're planting a church is to essentially to hit pause on <laughs> church for, you know, an indeterminate amount of time. So that kind of happened totally exhausted off the back of that. Um, and then right off the back of that, I was trying to get a master submitted and I kind of like the way my world has been for the last while, I had like, decided that I was going to be really busy and then I was going to be really not busy for a short period of time okay. and just cram it all in. But like, obviously that immediately went out the window and I was kind of frantically trying to study in between all this stuff. And then on top of that, then um, around, it was before Easter, it was, it was quite early in the lockdown period. My mom got initially got diagnosed with cancer uh, and it was lung cancer at that point. And so that, that kind of hit us really, really hard. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone immediately when you get news like that kind of like in some ways you accept that as the worst news you could be told. And then in another way, you kind of, I don't know if there's something inbuilt in human beings to kind of be hopeful. So you sort of begin to try and, and kind of bring some reason to that. Well, you know, treatment is good and mom's mm-hmm. really healthy and all this sort of stuff that comes to it. But then basically that worst case scenario stuff just like played out before our eyes and, and basically from when she was diagnosed, mom died within eight weeks. And so that was kind of like the worst, that was just the worst. And you were, you know, at that time we were kind of, the news was constantly running through coronavirus scenarios about worst case scenarios. And we just felt at that time, like, no, we are, we are in the worst case scenario of life right now. And so that kind of hit us like a ton of bricks. It was really good, we kind of like, definitely broke lockdown rules to try and be together as a family at the time you know to try and be by mum's bedside to provide support for my dad and my sister while they you know kind of mostly walk through it themselves and that was good you know to spend time together while you walk through something really painful is a really good thing but ultimately that was just pain on top of pain on top of pain and on top of that then you know obviously I had Joy at home, she was increasingly pregnant as the time went on. We had a little girl at home whose whole world, you know, just went from being like this wide to like this, you know, playgroups canceled. The people that looked after her through the week, that's canceled. Hanging out with friends is canceled. Activities is canceled. And, and life just felt like it closed in on us really, you know, really, really, really fast. So it, that was a truly um, just painful time and, and and uh, still continues to be, obviously, but um, that particular period of time at the beginning of lockdown just felt like like just just huge amount of pain, uh, and especially the grief thing too. The grief thing was an interesting thing for me. I mean, I've walked through grief before um, at the loss of one of my, my best friends, and that was hugely painful at the time. Um, but this one was kind of, it's funny, losing a parent is a big deal in your life, a, a massive deal for everyone, I think. and. Um, I don't think you're ever ready, but I definitely wasn't ready for that now. And um, I guess the thing for me through this last period of time has been that I've just 
it increasingly felt everything. You know, I'm not a big crying person ever. Um, but I just find myself like weeping, like lots, just uh, things that, that are daft, like, you know, watching TV that really shouldn't, but you just find yourself weeping, you know, mm -hmm. songs come on and you just weep. You have, it, it's just like there's stuff going on underneath the surface that even though you can be relatively steady and you can still try and perform a semi-decent job of being a dad and a husband and a leader, actually, there's just points where it's like you can't hold that back anymore mm -hmm. and it, it comes out. And so I've kind of been really walking through the emotionally healthy spirituality stuff was really helpful in that season of life because it really taught me to, I suppose, be okay with feeling everything, not try to hold that back, not try to stop it, but just feel the kind of intensity of the hurt and the struggling and the questions and all of the stuff that goes along with it. So yeah, it's been, uh, a mental time um, in our lives uh, but I guess yeah everybody has those seasons that's where we've been at whenever I remember we were, we were in here one day and we were talking about I think we just got news that your your mum had gotten much worse or some, something happened and the severity had changed quite quickly and we were talking about other things going on with your family and, and the busyness of it all and I remember we were just saying like God's timing is hard to understand. Sometimes actually the timing feels more difficult than what is happening mm -hmm. in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And I remember we were just like, you just said, like, what, what is God doing? Yeah. Like, what is he doing in this? Yeah. And I just wonder, just to go to the next question that we're going to look at like what you've been learning about yourself and God through that. But I just remember that was a really intense moment of being like, we, as both as Christians talking about it, we didn't know an answer to that in any shape or form. Yeah, and I think, I think that's one of the really kind of challenging things of this last season of, of my own life. I think, I think most Christians, when you start to try and, and really push into following Jesus, you know, properly, like committed mm -hmm. to giving him your life, all of your life, I think, I think there's this thing that starts to happen where, you, where most people begin to ask, you know, God, what are you doing? Not just in my life, but in my world and the world, mm -hmm. you know, how, how do I start to get on board with what it is you're, you know, you're doing? That's one of the interesting things about the language of the kingdom. Like we, as Christians, love kind of like, you know, oh, we are bringing the kingdom. We are, you know, all of that sort of like That's not actually it. What we do is like we partner with. It's like it's a quiet thing that we get on board with. Yeah, it's not. It's not a crusade. Like it no, was, it was it's not. Much. It's not that sort of kingdom. We we get on. We kind of get involved with this thing God is already doing. Mm -hmm. And I think the timing question is interesting for me, you know, asking what I've been thinking about learning about God and learning about myself. I think we often talk about God's timing in this like positive sense, you know, like, you know, you, you, you meet somebody you've always wanted to meet, you find the house you want to move into, you get the job, you, you know, whatever it is. And we have this like, oh, God's perfect timing, yeah. you know. Oh, I didn't know it, but God's timing was it's working. It's a nice idea. And it's yeah, basically, but then what do you do whenever God's timing essentially ordains that somebody dies or mm -hmm. something really painful happens? And so I've been kind of really wrestling with that sense of God's timing, you know, in my life, the mystery of loss and the challenge of that, you know, that I may never know what that was all about. Why now? Why, right. you know, should I feel so bereft of having my mom's presence in my life, watching what that does to my dad and the wider family and all of this stuff there, you know, that sense of timing mm -hmm. all of a sudden flips from being one that I've always been like, God's perfect timing, you know, it's still perfect now, but what does that mean for me? Do I still trust him? Mm -hmm. And I guess I find myself preaching 
uh, a number of weeks ago and reading out that quote, you know, that there's not one square inch of this world. And I have now come to understand, you know, of my life over which God does not declare mine and realizing actually that means walking into some of the hardest things in, that you can walk through as a person and not just go, oh, you know, where are you, God? Because you're not here. Actually, he is here somehow, somewhere. He's not just absent. He hasn't just exiled me from his love and his care. He's with me somehow, allowing it somehow in the middle of it and trying to wrestle with those questions in my own life. I guess on top of that, I probably learned that I'm way stronger than I knew that I was. And I'm at the same time way weaker than I knew that I was. You know, both of those things have been at me all the time, you know, kind of learning that actually my faith and my, you know, what God has, has been sowing in my life all of these years actually enables you to walk through things with some degree of integrity, some degree mm -hmm. of still loving Jesus, even though you're going, what are you doing here? But equally at the same time, realizing like, I can be the crappiest parent mm -hmm. in the world, the crappiest husband, just not a very nice human being. You know, on days whenever I'm meant to be like holding out like the light and life of Jesus mm -hmm. and I'm just like snapping at a child who's like knocked over a box of Plema being, you know, you're like, how can you be such an awful human being? You know, but that, I guess that strength and weakness thing. And also I suppose I've been learning that I really need time and space in my life. Um, I cycled several thousand miles through mm -hmm. lockdown and that was probably more important than it's ever been for me in my life. Um, you know, I think one of the funny things is that grief and pain can kind of tunnel vision you a lot of the time, you know, whereby it just becomes like me and my pain. And I'm just <laughs> thinking about me and it's like, God, where are you? And it's me, 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 me. And all your prayers become about you and they all become about solving the things that yeah. are going wrong in your life. And and actually I, I found that I was, was able to talk to God in a way that I, I was struggling with, you know, during quiet time or when I was reading. Actually, when I was cycling, I found actually I was able to talk to God in a different way. and. You know, so I was really aware that there were like people in church going through big things mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm meant to be like the pastor, you know, and found myself actually able to begin to hold those things up and pray into other people's lives and situations that I knew I cared about, but almost the grief was kind of focusing me away from and just mm -hmm. onto myself. And so I realized that I really needed that kind of change of pace, change of tempo, change of scenery, find myself able to talk to God really honestly. Um, I know that sounds silly because you're like cycling up a hill somewhere, but actually in my head and in my heart, I found it. I mean, people must have been driving past me and I'm some sort of strange like person with issues. But like, you know, talking to God and being really honest with him, but also finding myself actually able to look outwards over other things that were going on in my life. So those were, those were big days for me. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, I realized I've been talking loads, Jamie. I mean, this season has been really... It's been really rough for you too. What have you been learning about yourself? And, and maybe what have you been learning about God as well? Have you been drawn back to anything? Have you been learning things new? What about you? I actually find that question really hard to answer. Um, mm. Because the more, for Thomas is talking about when he has to go back and, you know, assess things, you know, from his his behavior in the past or, you know, look at the way he behaved. I actually, I find that, I agree with Thomas. I found that difficult. And I think it's fundamentally, I said to him after we filmed, Last week I said, I, I know he couldn't work out why. And I said, I know why I don't like it because fundamentally I don't think I'm that good, good of a person. And actually I, I challenge my other behavior that I look back on a lot. 
So I think a lot of what I've learned hasn't been that flattering for me. It hasn't been that easy. Probably part of the reason I find it difficult was because when you assess that stuff and you're not pleased with it, then you have to bear the weight of it because there's no one else to blame for it. So um, yeah, I think I find a lot of areas where weaknesses lie in my life um, in like a you know mental, physical and spiritual way, not just, not just a spiritual way. Um, one huge thing for me was like the, the notion of what it is to be a faithful believer. Because mm. I, when I was younger, and you were probably raised in a similar uh, atmosphere where you think that it's a list of things you have and haven't done. So a faithful person does this, yeah. a faithful person doesn't do this, a faithful lifestyle. And I was like, that actually was stripped away. So, so I'm so practically minded and obviously do so much around here in Carmel, the church work. And I've always talked to you about the my fear of becoming a professional Christian where you <laughs> do the job, but actually you don't really care in the background. Hmm. Um, and people will just assume you're fine because you're still busy working for the church. Um, but I remember thinking through that, okay, so my church work is now gone. I, well, I mean, it shifted to this stuff, but for a while it was gone. So there's no one, not a lot of people to deal with pastorally in a lot of ways. We're doing the community thing, but it's kind of maintaining itself and people want to take breaks from it because the Zoom thing's hard and all these yeah, different yeah. things that, that what I knew was gone. So I felt like, right, so what do I do in this? So I just remember thinking, what is it to be faithful in any shape or form? If it's a base level, if all that is taken away and it was a word with just me, how would I remain faithful to God? And, that, and I find that really challenging because actually I discovered maybe I'm not as faithful as I thought. So I think that was a big thing that um, was required to look at on myself. Um, the idea of being faithful and it, in a lot of ways, we find all habits that were good. Like me and Lydia started reading our Bibles together more, uh, praying together more. And those are, I guess, faithful habits. Mm-hmm. But there was still a challenge for me in an internal sense of you, know, you meet people and they have this thing inside themselves that just speaks of faith and hope and lots of Christian values to you. And normally they impact you in a way that you don't really forget. Mm-hmm. I was like, what does it mean to be a person that's like that? How do I become that person? So still have an answer to that. Still day-to-day process of trying to work that out. Uh, I'm really difficult sometimes and you're like I'm awful at this today and I'm just like I don't know how God you know contends for me or Jesus puts in the passion for me today kind of thing um, so that's it's been a really good thing because I think those are the places where God can work most I, I wrote down that um, you know God is you know when we are weaker there's more of God that kind of thing that it's a continuous thing it's through the Bible so many different places mm-hmm. when I'm weak he is strong mm-hmm. and actually the truth of that has been really really important and learning to be okay with being weak in those areas, offer them over, pray about them. So that's a big one, still working it out. Um, and I guess when it comes to what I've been learning about God, um, probably a big fact, like um, theme has been his patience in the whole thing. Mm. I'm so aware of the fact that we expect things to happen quick and I want lockdown to be over quick. And I don't, you know, we don't know how long this will last. And I remember those comments at the start, you know, see you guys in four weeks and this is all over. And I was like, I don't think it's gonna be that. Mm. And obviously it hasn't been that. And you just, you know, God watches those things slower. And then we're studying things doing the E100 of like periods of time where God's quiet for like 400 years. And there is an insane patience in that. And actually remembering that God has seen so many of these types of things in people's lives, seen, you know, world wars and whole communities that he, you know, called to himself, leave him to come back again. And there's a patience in that that I need to respond to and just be like, right, this is what we have. Today is today. Tomorrow, if God, gives it then that's tomorrow you can work with him at that so there's something about a pace I think I've lived with a lot going on for a long period of time and I like that I actually like being busy mm-hmm. so I think I'm learning or probably relearning that God is patient and that actually sometimes we need to slow down a little bit just in our mind to catch up with him 
And I think in that we've just met him, really simple things. We've, me and Lydia, I think we've met him in our, in our marriage. Whenever we were both felt the weakest, we were the kindest to each other. And I was the other, the other week, we were like bickering about something. I was like, Do you notice how whenever we've become more self sufficient, we've become not as nice to each other? Mm-hmm. So we met, met God through that, you know, with each other. We've met it with friends. And I think probably a call to faith in a couple of places, bigger things have been important. And, and in a lot of ways, there's a bunch of stuff that we still don't know and are working out. Mm-hmm. Um, so so I, I think we don't have answers to a lot of it, but like the way it's gone, the, the, the arc of it has been really helpful for us. Um, and I guess uh, one thing that we've talked about quite a bit, you know, me and Lydia in particular, is that um, I remember thinking life was so uncertain now and actually being drawn to the idea that with all that stuff that God has seen and known in his, in his patience mm. that actually the world is no more uncertain time today than it was this time last year whenever things were different for us yeah, yeah. and that I need to I need to be able to borrow some of that off him to feel like it's going to be okay mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think a lot of this stuff is difficult and I think it probably should be difficult to, to work your way through um, is there anything we talked about obviously what, you, the, what you've been through in the last while and, and what you've learned is there anything that you find particularly difficult um, with regards to your faith during this or anything that's been actually you know a real stronghold for you yeah I, I guess that's kind of one of the funny things I think you said it there in the sense that like I think in the western world in which we live in it's like we have to believe that life has to be easy all the time you know life when it's good is easy actually that's not necessarily the case life you know is not guaranteed to be easy Jesus certainly doesn't tell mm-hmm. us it is um, and actually sometimes when it's hard uh, and it could be hard for a long time, could be hard for a short time, could be for any number of reasons. Actually, that's where we learn lots of things about ourselves and our, our own relationship with God. And so for me, actually, one of the things I find really interesting has been like my relationship with with worship, you know, specifically kind of song worship or um, uh, all of the kind of ways in which we come before God. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, it's interesting before any of this had happened, I think we probably all got used ourselves to like, you know, having preferences, you know, so just, oh, I was, you know, you came back from, you went to somebody else's church or you went to a conference and you were like, oh, you know, you had rating for good, bad or ugly, you know, based on whether they sang songs you liked or the arrangements were good or the drummer was terrible, you know, whatever it was. And I just think that has been so totally scrapped. I feel for me, there's probably been a little bit of a journey on that stuff anyway before. I think, you know, in this journey with church in general, feeling like the kind of produced, polished version of worship just didn't really satisfy anymore. And I think in this season that has even more been eroded. I've just longed so much to be in a room with other people lifting Jesus' name over my life, over our community's life, over the city's life, over the nation's uh, life. And I've I've longed for that so much. Like I've sung and wept in my kitchen um, while we've had worship on in the stereo. You know, I find, find myself up here at the time kind of getting just a bit like, I'm kind of done with listening to that Bethel playlist again <laughs> or whatever, you know, whatever playlist I've been listening to. Actually, in this season, I've really felt that as a need in my life. Like, I've really needed to hear those words sung over me and also me singing those over my circumstances. So worship has been a really... I find it really hard to not have it and that shouldn't surprise me but it has surprised me how much I've really missed the corporate sense of worship but also I find it as a really easy access point to God in a way that maybe it wasn't before where I just took for granted I stuck Spotify in my ears and didn't really think about it now it has so been speaking to me I also think 
have a very distinct A in the APAS test. So like the apostolic kind of thing was like my highest number by miles. Uh, I think for me, there's been a real, I, I just struggled with the lack of dynamic, okay? I, I love to feel like I'm in the middle of or part of something that's going somewhere. And, and I think this season has so felt like, you know, we've kind of hit pause on lots of things, whether it's like for us, we had a house move that was meant to happen. Just all of a sudden it's like, nope, we can't get this, that and the other, you can't move. And the church, it's felt like church was carrying all this momentum, good stuff happening. And then it's like, boom. You're now just doing church in your living room. It's really hard to tell what God is doing. You know who's who's accessing it. Is is you know are people still into this? You know all of that sort of stuff. And so as a somebody with that sort of gift thing, I have so found that hard. And I think it's probably um, spoken to what I have you know built up an identity of myself to around ministry, where I'm in the middle of stuff that's going on. Actually, how do I? look at myself and God mm-hmm. whenever we're in a slower season and it's more about what is God just doing in you and uh, than necessarily what's he doing through you mm-hmm. which is I'm not saying I feel like that all the time but I think anyone in leadership has some degree of metric for is this successful or not is yeah. it growing or not and all of that sort of stuff and also I think in terms of good stuff prayer life you know I have to say that's probably felt a bit like a mixed bag for me and then I've probably, I would struggle to say that I've heard from God in this last number of months. But so I think in me, I've just had this thing one day where I felt, you know, myself say to myself, well, that's fine. I'm just going to keep talking to you then. But if you're not talking, that's okay. I'm going to just keep talking. And so I felt like I've really needed that. And it's been good for me to be honest with God and be real with him, even if, you know, I haven't necessarily felt like I've had massive revelation of something he's been saying or doing in my life. My personal worship life has, has probably been good. Um, and I think just rhythms of being out in the world, being stirred, because you haven't been coming to the city as much. Yeah. I'm normally in the city every day and I know the coffee shops, all of that sort of stuff. No, I just, I felt I've spent tons of time out in the countryside, whether that's walking or cycling or whatever, and I felt really stirred again by the natural world and sights and smells and sounds and all of that. And then probably just friendships, you know, I've been really aware of how held up we have been. Um, both people texting us voice notes of like prophetic words and things people have been sending us, praying over us, generosity, like gifts that have arrived in the post and just things like that. I've just felt really personally held up. Yeah. Um, as a as a leader and as a follower of Jesus as well. So, yeah, I guess yeah. I mean, those are probably some of the things I found easy and, and found hard. Um, what about you? You know, are there things uh, in this season maybe um, that you've been taught that that you think you're going to be carrying into the next season, or anything about this period of time where you think, yeah, that's something I've learned that I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be bringing with me. Yeah, I think there's some habits like you know talking about what me and Eddie are trying to put in place, and they're simple because they're you know, they have an objective end. You you know what you're doing. You get up, you read your Bible, kind of thing. Um, so I think some of that is just real simple things to carry through. I think sometimes I consume so much Bible content by default by mm-hmm. things like filming these, whatever it was church doing, church doing, uh, you know, E100, getting ready for um, community, whatever. That actually you forget to do it just for yourself or you know for me and Eddie. So I'll definitely try and keep habits that stuff but I think one thing is just like that little time to slow down once in a while just to think even if it's things I don't want to think about just to take some time to think about them uh, and what God might be trying to do in the next week or two or 
Um, just yeah, the trust thing is a big one. Learning how to implement that in reality, like to trust that God is in control and that's okay. So I, I, I don't necessarily know how. I know I want to bring those things yeah. with me, um, and they'll probably take time. But those are the things I think are most valuable that um, I've learned since this whole thing started. Mm. Um, you, Dave, you have got a verse that you was this important to you mm. during this time? Yeah. Or is this something to bring forward? Or no? Yeah. I mean, I guess it's a case of both. I think for me, um, you know, would be lying if I if I didn't say that one of the things I'm bringing with me out of this season is is pain. Um, you know, it doesn't just because life is starting up and we can go to shops again and you know whatever else. You know, it doesn't mean that the kind of the challenges of that season have just gone away. They they haven't. They're in some ways they're more real now than they were because the season's been so odd. It's felt like this little like escape or or you're not living in real life and now real life is beginning to happen again as life begins to happen again and. Actually, pain is one of the things I've felt like I've been carrying with me equally. I suppose the other thing has been has been hope. I have this real sense of hopefulness and expectation about this season that we're walking into, this sense that God has been doing something to his church. And I, I don't know what that's been, you know, but actually he's definitely been doing something. I think we've been being distilled and pressed. And I actually think that those are the conditions normally where things happen. And, and so something has been happening in our church. It's hard to know, but something has been happening. And I'm excited, you know, to see what that is as we begin to move into another season, which is different, still full of uncertainty, still full of challenges. Um, but actually, you know, what is this that has been happening and is continuing to happen that we're going to see both the fruit of and the challenges of. And so I've, I've got this real hopefulness and expectation about the season that we're walking into. And so for that, you know, there's been this little short passage that I've been coming back to again and again, I suppose through some of the hardest times of the last three months. And um, it's in 1 Peter in chapter five. I'm just gonna read it to you now. It's 1 Peter five uh, verses six through to 11. This is an ESV version, just, you know, I know there's just people so out know. there that are normally like, oh, that's not the version I have. So uh, this is 1 Peter five verses six to 11. This is what it says. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of sufferings are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. I guess that little short passage says lots of things. It talks about timing. He's going to do it in his yeah. time. And that hasn't necessarily been a positive thing for me at points over the last while. It talks about uh, you know, that he will meet you there, that his grace, he is the God of all grace and then there's this interesting thing about humbling yourself you know um the, the passage just before this part in, in that particular chapter talks at length about humbling yourself and about suffering and i guess for me it's been a really humbling time you know mm -hmm. that church that was going so well kind of stopped house move kind of stopped 
work just kind of stopped as I knew it. We were kind of waiting for a baby to come. Things happened in my family. Stuff. I just felt so very humbled through this last season. And I probably haven't wanted that, but that's what's happened. And, you know, I, I suppose I've been really challenged to cast my anxieties on him. At times I've struggled to believe that he cares for me, but um, I, I would be lying if I said I haven't felt disappointed, hurt, angry, devastated, confused through these last numbers of months. Felt like God hasn't been speaking, yet I've spoken to him. But those last words, you know, that if we let him, God can do something with mm-hmm. deep pain, deep challenge. You know that he can uh, that He can restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you. And I'm thinking in my heart of hearts today that I need that. I'm thinking in my heart of hearts today that our church, our fellowship needs that. I'm thinking in my heart of hearts that there's got to be other people watching this today who have been in this sort of season that that has made them aware of the fact that they need to be restored, confirmed, strengthened Mm -hmm. and established. And then there's this wonderful thing where the very last line, to him be the dominion forever and ever. You know, it gets this really personal, you know, to be restored, confirmed, strengthened, established, and then this big, like, to him be the glory, you know, sort of moment. And so that's, yeah, that's kind of been where I've been at, where I have felt like this has ministered to me on on a level, I've just read it, you know, like not daily, but pretty close. Um, And also kind of spoken it over my life and spoken it over, I guess, our lives as a church. Um, and it's it's a verse that I think I really want to be carrying into this yeah. next season of life. So, like, I wonder if I could pray. Of course. Uh, and then I'll kind of wrap up this little section of what we're doing today. I just wonder um, if this is you today. I wonder uh, particularly if where you sit this morning, um, whatever this last three months has looked like for you. I'm aware that these at least four interviews that we've done have been kind of specific in terms of people groups and circumstances and different aspects of life that people have shared about. And, and we believe our prayer and hope is that that has ministered to you at home, uh, equally walking through some of the same things. But I wonder today if there have been some of you who have felt like this last three to four months has been a struggle, has been a challenge, has been a time of real suffering, has been a time of hurt has been a time where you've maybe questioned who you are, questioned where God is, questioned your own mental health and maybe grief in your life. And I wonder if today you need to hear those words from 1 Peter that God may himself restore, confirm, strengthen and establish you today. If that's you, why don't you just hold your hands out where you are this morning and I'm going to pray. Jesus, we come to you today more aware than ever that we're broken, more aware than ever, Lord, that if we held ourselves up to the light, what we might see is not favorable. It's not something we're proud of. It's not something sometimes that we would even want other people to see. Jesus, we ask, come minister to that person today. Minister to the parts of us that need to be restored, that need to be confirmed, that need to be strengthened, Lord, and that need to be established, God. We can only do those through you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you minister to us now by your word, through your people, would you come to us now? Would you minister to broken hearts? Would you minister to weariness? Would you minister to mental health? Would you minister to grief? Would you minister to 
the words of the enemy that have tried to break us down and have tried to question who we are and who we are in you, that have tried to steal and kill and destroy what it is you have been doing in our lives, what it is you are doing in our lives and what it is you want to do in our lives. God, come to us today. Breathe on us today. That even in our questions, even in our doubts, even in our uncertainties, Lord, with the certain reality of your truth, of what you have done through Jesus at the cross and at the empty grave, God, would you restore those to us today? Jesus, come to us, move afresh, for it's in your name we pray. Amen.